Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Can I Be Funny? I am JQ. We've got a great episode coming up today as normal. Um, thought I'd do a bit, a bit of admin before I started. And when I sort of do these interviews, I kind of just wing my way through it with the questions. Um, sometimes I think of questions I should have asked after the interview's finished. So if I'm missing out questions that you want me to ask people then tweet me or Facebook me and let me know. Like with Daryl, I wanted to ask what um, mistakes new comedians make when doing their early gigs, um, which I forgot to do. So if there's any other sort of general questions that you think I'm not asking, then uh, let me know. Um, Also keep doing some reviews on iTunes. That would be nice. And retweeting the episodes, that would be great. So on with this week's episode, it's uh, the very funny Finn Taylor, who is a pro comedian from Bristol, and we talk about lots of good things. Have a listen. Enjoy. Bye. So Finn. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Not at all. So you're professional. Yeah. Unlike me, who's just a amateur startup <laughs> wannabe. Yeah. But you're only 23, is that right? 24. 24 now. But how, so how long have you been going? Uh, I started when I was 18. Uh, I, I did, I, I did, like, I I always knew I wanted to do it. Yeah. From about the age of 14 or 15. And so I did, like, sketches at school with people. And then there was a, we had a thing, like, a public speaking competition. Yeah. Which I just did every year, but made it as close to stand-up as, as yeah. a 15-year-old could. Yeah. And, uh, like, won... Like the school won like four, four years in a row. That's cool. Just because <laughs> no one else was trying to be <laughs> funny with it, because it was quite a serious thing. Yeah. And so in terms of popularity, like you know, I I always seem to have uh, have there are other pupils on the side, but I mean it. You know, it wasn't stand up at all. And then I I knew I wanted to do it, and uh, but my parents were like, you've got to get a degree. Right. So I went to uni in Bristol and started doing it after about two months. I did my first gig proper. But still, that because that was a proper gig, I didn't, I did, I, I didn't know if I was going to be any good at it, obviously, because yeah. in a school environment, it's easy yeah. to get a laugh at. You just take a piss out of a teacher or whatever. But yeah, obviously, this is in front of people I don't know and stuff. This, this first gig, so I, was, I think I was 18. It was November, and it must have been 2008. And then it went pretty. It went really well. And then, um, and then I sort of didn't do another one until like January when I came back from the holidays. And then I sort of just kept going from there, really. But I only I may have only done about fifty gigs in in the first year. That's pretty good going. Well, I thought so. But then when I met other people from London, they they had done you know yeah. hundreds. Yeah. But I think that the, the the quality of the of the gig wasn't included in that <laughs> in that number. So yeah, so I did it all through uni, and then uh, I did a history degree. So I had no, I there was no problem with me waking up in Aberystwyth on a Wednesday <laughs> because I only had about four hours contact a week. Really, and I could just read books in the train if if or just I just crammed. Yeah, uh, and then did you get your degree? I got a degree. I got a two one. Nice. Um, and then. Yeah, I sort of, I kind of quite, <laughs> I realised that I'd kind of rejected any sort of careers advice yeah. from the universe and any kind of, I just thought, oh, I'll just do this. 
and uh, and I got enough. I was getting you know paid gigs by the last year of uni, and then I got enough in. I remember I got enough working in November to pay rent. Um, for one for six weeks, pretty much, nice. and just went right. Well, I'll go full time then. Yeah. And then <laughs> I realised I hadn't really put food into that equation. <laughs> who needs uh, food? And then, so me and my friend Jared, who who was a stand-up at the time, but isn't anymore, we both sort of did that. And uh, we, had, we had a really nice flat in Clifton in Bristol for £350 a month. Uh, well, each or total? Each. Right. Which is sounds insanely cheap with mm. London prices, but... That's the nicest area of Bristol, which mm-hmm. is depressing. It, but anyway, and so that that was fairly easy to get in gigs, uh, and then so but we had the we had the most bare flat. Like it was a really nice <laughs> big space. We in our living room we had a tiny TV, a beanbag, and a recycled sofa, and, and, and a plant. <laughs> that was it. Like but it's huge room, um, but and then you know it was and then it was. It was quite touch and go for a couple of months, but then it was weird. I think per- perception plays a lot, and you you get known as someone who's full time, and then people take much more of a risk on you. I think yeah. if if you're known as full time, and then it just kind of snowballs until the point where it's fine. Yeah, really. So how long? So you've never done a never job? had a real job. I, I did summer jobs. Uh, I was a groundsman, and uh, which is you know not cut really. the grass verges on the motorway one summer. Yeah. Using a power stream, and that was... Really fun. Yeah. Like, demolishing stuff. Really fun. I really like working outdoors. And then I, I worked in a language school to pay for the first couple of times I went to Edinburgh, like, in the uni holidays. Um, so that's it, really. So I never really had a, a proper job. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. So what was the sort of open mic scene like back when you first started? Well, it's different from, for me, as I imagine it is for you and... And a lot of the people listening, yeah. because I did it. I think probably the best way. I can't imagine starting now, let alone starting in London. Yeah, because what happened in Bristol was that it's it it has a bit of a scene, but it's not. There's a lot of gigs, a lot of stage time opportunity, but but not that many people wanted to do it. Right. Um. And so you can quite quickly kind of rise to the to the top in the scene and basically I think the best way to do it is is get you know make all your mistakes and get good at decent decent enough gigs that aren't in London where, yeah. the, where the entire industry is yeah and then I sort of was able to move to London with quite a decent CV and sort of and and you know chops yeah that I wouldn't have had if I'd started in London and I don't understand how people because I think you can get consumed by the open mic circuit, can't you, over here? I don't... Yep. Yeah. There's just there's so many nights and there's so many people doing it. Yeah. It's madness. Um, so, but I was very lucky to meet Mark Olver, who's a comedian and is a... But he used to be a careers advisor before he was a comic and really liked that. Yeah. Uh, and so I think he's, he has a kind of a, a drive to help stand-ups, people who want to do stand-up become stand-ups yeah and so he did that with like so he started in the 90s with russell howard and then he he did that with pretty much everyone who's come out of bristol he's had a a, he's been a kind of a mentor to so like john richardson and will hodgson and um 
and John Robbins and then Ellis James who was Cardiff and sort of all that lot and then later on me and uh, Matt Ewins and uh, Jared who doesn't do stand-up anymore so that that kind of line for Bristol comics is down to him really but because there was loads of gigs and not that many people yeah and there was a but it's a really big city Bristol it's like half a million people is it? yeah it's one of the biggest and I think it must be a similar thing if you're Manchester in that there's a lo- loads of demand yeah but not that many people doing it ah and so you can just make all your mistakes when it doesn't really matter because you've got you've got people running the shop that kind of trust your ability. Yeah. Uh, and then you move. I think you move over. I I, I don't. I, it must be so difficult to to start and actually progress up a ladder here. Yeah, I don't even know where the ladder is. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm just on the ground sure. floor looking around. It seems like someone pulled up the rope ladder maybe yeah. two years ago. I don't know. It's um, but I think you know over here competitions matter, yeah. and so I never did well really in competitions. No, and so I uh, but what I what I would have is that like, so I don't if I was doing paid work for a few people. Uh, someone would get a dropout for a gig near the West Country. Yeah. And we'd go, oh, he's there. He does paid stuff. Can you fill in? Yeah. And then it would it would go well, or they wouldn't, or just the fact that they, they, I'd filled in and then get more stuff and that. It was that sort of networking. So yeah. that it was, uh, it was actually, thinking about it, probably a much easier ride than I imagine it would have been if I'd just gone to London and started. Yeah. Do you think is it the scene the same now as it was then, or has it changed? It, it in Bristol, mm. it is it is now, but only in the last year has it come back because it 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 died a bit. Really? Just well, just because there was no one else after my kind of year group, mm. and you need you need young, really hungry people, or well, hungry com- young comics, as in comics who haven't started yet. Yeah, you know, not not necessarily age, but. Yeah comedic age uh, because they'll they'll do anything they'll like yeah I'll start a gig and yeah anyone can go on and yeah blah 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 and we'll do it anywhere and and then then it it's like an, it's like an ecosystem I guess isn't it you know you need all levels of people there yeah and it got to the stage uh, when me and the others started getting paid work started looking outside that there wasn't that kind of there wasn't that uh, base yeah for it to grow but now there is now it's now it's better than it's ever been actually. There's loads of gigs and they're decent gigs and they get crowds, which I don't think you get at open mic gigs here. I don't know. Not really. I mean, there's a few. We I did one on last Wednesday. It's a monthly one over in um, Whitechapel, and I have a proper crowd. So yeah. it's not just other comedians. Yeah. Um, there's a few others. Um, that's one in Stratford that's really good. Angel's great, obviously. Yeah, I've done I've done Angel. I've done Angel about six times now. Yeah. I keep saying this. Never done well there. <laughs> I I <laughs> didn't... I can't remember... Because I I normally go and try out stuff there. And the yeah. first couple of times, I found it hard because it was very touristy. Yes. Uh, and everyone... All my mates were like, oh, Angel's brilliant. Angel's fucking great. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I don't know. I found it quite, quite hard because not that many people who necessarily speak the language as much as I demand of them. Not that I'm, <laughs> not that I'm particularly verbose or anything. But uh, but then I, I, once I started doing longer sets there, I was like, oh yeah, oh it's great. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's a really nice room and it's a really friendly club and the atmosphere is unrivaled. Really, yeah. I imagine it must be great for new comics to have that. 
that gig. Yeah, it just takes three months to get on there. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, because it's. I guess that, well, that's the demand, isn't it? That's mad. Because exactly. what there's like twelve acts a night or whatever. Maybe on a, 14, on a, on yeah. A, yeah. So Maybe. three months. Not so, that's a lot three, of people. Three months worth of what is it? Twice a week they do the new act. Yeah, Wednesdays and. <sighs> I mean, Sundays. that's mind. That's mind blowing. So yeah, so so starting outside London definitely helped because I I was doing. I think my first gig was a ten. And my first gig was a five, and then after that, I never did a five again. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Which, yeah, I guess must sound weird, but yeah. I, it was always tens. Tens was always the. There must be a lot less people then. Yeah. That's well, crazy. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should start a cull in London. Help me out a little bit. <laughs> or just like uh, exchange programs and send them out like missionaries to. Yeah. So there was time to just try any idea that came mm. to my head, to try any sort of style. And then I got comparing quite quickly, and that helps when in terms of coming full time, yeah. Because there's always a demand for compares. I did my first bit of comparing a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, a lot harder than I thought. Really? Yeah, just because I've seen it so many times, you think, oh, yeah, you, you know all the bits to say, just to well, I guess you run the night. Well, how long? So you, you said you'd be going a year and a half. Yeah, and I guess doing a year and a half of just stuff. Yeah, in your head, that's what stand up is, and yeah. then you you try and because my tenth gig was comparing. Ah, okay. Which uh, I'm I. I'm really glad I did because it made me very comfortable very early on but it meant that I would just try and riff sets in competitions which is yeah. probably why one of the reasons at least I didn't uh, make any headway with them but um, <laughs> I was just going oh, I'll just be like Ross Noble you're brilliant yeah, blah, blah. and then got off stage and wouldn't get through and be like why that was great I got a great reaction and they were like well we don't know what you can yeah. <laughs> obviously that's not what they're looking for I didn't I realised that so late on I wish I'd knew, known earlier that they were looking for yeah material rather than just <laughs> just, messing, just around. messing around but anyway so yeah so that that's what my experience coming through was like I, I, and being able to run gigs that would get good numbers yeah is uh, is, a, is a great because then you book people that run other gigs and then it's just you just get um you become part of the community yeah. of pro comics without being one. And then ah. and then sort of, I don't know, when you become one, it, you kind of, I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I can't imagine what it's like now. I think it's, just, I think it's like any job. It's like my main day job is doing editing and I wouldn't want to start from scratch. Like, yeah. It's essentially the same, like getting clients or getting gigs is the same thing I wouldn't want to do it now because it's just there's so many people that can do it because equip, it's basically the internet and yeah cheap equipment anyone like on your laptop you could edit a feature film yeah exactly Literally, yeah no a, yeah I could plug in a drive that's what my dad it. does pretty much he edits yeah. yeah feature films on just um Final Cut Pro yeah like which is a decent enough program to make a decent enough program to make a documentary on yeah uh, yeah like it's no, it is it's a surplus of everything and yeah, it's, like this PC that we're sitting in front of now, ten years ago, probably hundred grand. Really? Literally, because of the hardware, like you couldn't right. plug in a camera to it. But now the, the hundred grand's worth of hardware is now a hundred quid. Ten years, two thousand and four, that would have been hundred grand. Maybe two, maybe ninety nine. Let's go back to ninety nine. Yeah. Wow. Which is it's just insane because yeah. there's there no cheap way of doing that, and like the internet now has probably made it a lot easier to get gigs because you just go on Facebook and go. Oh, can I have that gig? Yeah, sure. And then... Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But in turn, it's weird, because, I mean, I, I, I haven't really been to many open mic nights down here since I moved, and I'm not... I hear rumours, of course, that it's just in front of... I mean, what is it like? Are you just in front of... 
some other, of them are acts. some of them aren't you have, you always hear about oh you just play into a room full of other comedians which is true but you can still have a good time like there's one there's one gig I did over in Tottenham Court Road and it was it was literally just comedians and I thought this is going to go terrible but we had a really good time everyone was really funny everyone had a laugh it was brilliant and then they did another one in somewhere else where it was literally just comedians and everything is just awful yeah so it's it's very difficult to judge what's going how it's going to go yeah yeah and i think that's why you see so many new acts um being very meta is because they've done they've just they've got laughs out of taking the mickey out of the art form yeah because that was the crowd they were playing to yes and then when you put them in front of uh, paying punters who don't you know don't care what a callback is and yeah. don't don't get that faux ironic. Yeah, yeah, don't get that faux ironic thing. <laughs> then, then it's really bad. Yeah, and but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that confidence they have that it's almost smugness, which is what I really hate seeing. Is that kind of smug? I know, I know what stand up is, and and but like that's because you just play to a room full of other people that know what stand up is. Yeah, and that's not that's not an audience. It's I was at a night last week, and it was I think it was one audience member, and the stuff that was getting a laugh was stuff that was referencing the night being a bit rubbish and then when someone came on that was literally just did material it didn't feel as funny because it, it wasn't playing to the night which you're supposed yeah. to play you're supposed to do your material and practice that not just play for that night does that make sense oh totally and i i had a i used to do that loads when um when I, before i had any material mm. that i that was actually i valued at all or was any good but yeah, you just get, you can get, oh, a friend of mine said something that he was worried that he was getting very good at playing shit rooms. Yeah. And then when he got in front of a big room, he didn't know how to do well in it. Because if you're playing a theatre, yeah, and you play it like you're playing six other comics, <laughs> then it's going to look really Yeah, it's just odd, won't it? And, but the reason that those gigs, those little gigs are there is to help with the actual ones. And so yeah. you kind of have to play the little ones with the other ones in mind. yeah. Because it doesn't, it doesn't matter what happens. Yeah. Any stage time is good, though. You've got to practice. Just being... I've only just, in the last sort of two months, been comfortable being on stage. Yeah. And just saying, yeah, I know what... I'm, I'm not great, but I know what to do. I know how to just sort of connect with the night... With the audience, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because you should just go up there, say my stuff, and then get off. Whereas now you're saying it to them, not yeah, yeah, at yeah. them. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. But it's, it, it's weird because I, I come from quite a theatrical family. Right. And so it's, that's never been... The weaker arm for me has always been writing stuff. So I was always able to... Ad-libbing came quite naturally and communicating. Yeah. I always found like public speaking fairly easy at school. But yeah. actually coming up with a joke structure and a, a thing was always the weaker thing. So that's the thing I tried to work on. And at times I'm still too relaxed on stage and realise that I actually have to perform rather yeah. than just kind of very loosely <laughs> standing there not giving a shit, which I, I'm, I, yeah, I need to be more aware that that doesn't look good. Yeah. That, but that, again, but then that's, if you're too, if you're playing the wrong gigs too much, then that, that kind of comfort will set in. Yeah. You can avoid them if you're, they're, they're, they're quite specific. This one is like that. This one is like that. And that one's a good one. So you can avoid. Yeah, but where slightly. does it where does it then lead? Because I guess you've got you get better at these ones, and then 
But then how do you get off them? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to find out. Yeah, okay. It's really tricky. Because like, you go to these gigs and you think, is, is the person running this gig going to be able to help me in the future? What connections have they got? Have they got anything? Or they, is it just this own separate little silo? Well, that's what it seems to... That's what the, the, the worry is, is that it, that it is. Because I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, people that, since I came to London, people that I've seen do a, like an open mic like gig like angel for example yeah who i've then gone on to when i'm like if i'm emceeing up the creek on a sunday who i've then seen do a 10 there and I, i'm struggling to think of people that even in that these two years have have made that jump i i think so much of it is just staying in the game and time because people drop off and so if the drive is there then it will <coughs> you'll get somewhere yeah, I've seen in the last year a big change. Like you go to a gig and you used to be able to notice loads of people that you've seen before, but now you can see a big change. The, the next lot have come in, yeah, and started to do stuff, and you just see names popping up on Facebook all, that you recognise all the time. That yeah, makes sense. yeah. No, it is. It's and it's like oh, it's got to the stage for me that I now don't. There was a point where I knew everyone in in New Act Finals. Yeah. And, Maybe even two or three years ago, I now, I don't know. Maybe not three years ago. That's not fair. But the last couple of years, it used to be like in Edinburgh, like, oh, who who got through to see I think you're funny. But now it's like, I don't know who no. any of them are, which is frightening because you should, because you should see those people getting decent open spots at big clubs. But um, but I, I guess I guess competitions become more important than they ever were. I've never done winning competitions. Did laughing? Who's that? I, I, yeah, Square. but they're all very. The um, application is very like it's not strict, is it? You can you can be going for. You see, some people have been going for eight years. Eight years. <laughs> like you can just. I think. I think it must be more important because that's how you you your name stands yeah. out from what must be a sea of people at the same level. Yeah. It's quite uh, what I've been looking for at the moment recently is someone who's been going for about a year like me, they're this level of good. Then you see someone who's been sort of like three years, yeah, in like that. That's they're really good. And then you see someone who's been going five years, and the difference between three and five is pretty massive, yeah, in terms of how good they are on stage. Like, is this someone who's been going three years still doing the open mic a bit, and they're like amazing. But then you compare that to someone who's been in five years. And then you compare five with ten. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's crazy. It's, because uh, I've just come back from doing my first hour. And yep. the difference, the difference is, uh, is noticeable. Because you're on stage having done an hour every night. And over that month, that hour gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Yeah. And now you're doing twenties. And you could literally just lay it out like an egg it doesn't it's easy yeah and you're in your head editing going i can't even have time to do that bit which yep. in the hour was great but no like, <laughs> and it's great having you just feel like you've got a bank of stuff and if something's not working you go fine i've got this and it, you just have you just have stuff to yeah. do it seems like an exponential growth of goodness because i can do what 10 minutes a week yeah. doing two gigs because of family commitments and all that i can't go out yeah, every yeah. night so we've got to try and double up. So then you do two fives every night or twice a night. So that's 20 minutes. Yeah. Then you move on to doing tens at these gigs. So that's 40 minutes. So it just kind of grows and grows. Yeah, totally. Gig miles. Yeah. I have a, a analogy is 
if my first gig was at nine o'clock on a Monday morning at Comedy Inc. Right. Then yeah. the amount of stage time I have is about ten o'clock the next day. So if you compare that to a normal job, what would you know at ten o'clock the next day on your first day of the job? Yeah, obviously I have a normal job, so I, oh, that's I, right. Yeah, this is quite no, analogy, completely analogy. pointless for you, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. You basically don't know anything. I know where the toilets are. Yeah, I know no, when that, to have lunch. Yeah, yeah, but you're still looking around for help. Yeah, I guess. Uh, how do I use a printer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 definitely true. Are you still learning when you're doing gigs? Oh, totally. Yeah, because I've only I've only I only just feel like I've got the concept of my persona down right so I've done an hour where that concept was the concept was there but how you put it into practice is a uh, is you've got to think of everything you've got to think of uh, what you know tone and ways yeah. you say lines and and then this you know and so now I've got to write a, an hour an hour in a year and so I've got to just kind of fast track everything I've got to, you know I'm still learning how to get my persona distilled into the funniest bit possible. So when you're writing stuff, do you think, can you immediately dismiss stuff because you know that's not going to work? Whereas um, before you would have kept it and tried it. Uh, it's Yeah, you come up with an idea and, or an idea hits your brain, you go, Meh, no. But then sometimes I quite often, I, I feel like I have quite a bad conversion rate of ideas into actual bits that yeah. work. And so I, uh, I will just. But then I think it's probably because I don't actually try and eke something out of it. I just speak at a new material night for yeah. ten minutes, dying out my ass. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, there's. It's more that I have an idea that I think, oh, that that would really fit, and then I, and then it something funny might not come out of it yeah. enough, and then you have an idea that's a bit less fitting, but it's funny, so you kind of try and make it. I don't know. My oh, my stuff's so. There's there's so much more personality than craft in, <laughs> oh, or at least there was I don't know that it's um, I almost try not to make it too polished yeah but yeah it, you know, it, it gets easier to I, I think all my ideas are, are, are rooted in the in a persona now right because I think when you start you're just trying to whatever's funny I just need to be funny I don't mind yeah so drains my <laughs> wife um, cars animals yeah anything but then once you get a I don't know a viewpoint I think that's how it works yeah it does, it does get easier to because I mean it's so it's weird seeing what stuff I was doing even two years ago yeah even even a year ago actually I did an Edinburgh show that was 40 minutes long and it and it was the, definitely the first step into what I do now but it was probably too much and I had to rein it in a bit right so I mean so you're still you're always kind of moulding yeah who you are on stage a bit I've and also I'm quite I'm aware that I'm quite young and still you know learning what I think about life a lot yeah so I, I I'm not saying anything set in stone I think and I'm a grumpy old man with two kids see I'm a 24 year old 24 year old man with an I mean I look like I'm a janitor that's just lost <laughs> his pension but also I have that, that I have that soul in me as well <laughs> Old Which makes soul. it quite hard to market, to be honest. <laughs> Young comedian who hates everything. Um, but yeah. So how many Edinburghs have you done? Uh, well, I've just done my first hour, first solo one. But before that, I have done every one since 2010. So four? 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, five in a row. Five. 
That's pretty cool. We only went up there for our first week last Edinburgh because never been there just to see what it's like. Just did a few gigs and had an amazing time. It was yeah, great. a lot different to what I thought it was going to be. What did you think it was going to be? I don't, well, I don't know. I thought it was going to be when people talk about their Edinburgh show. I thought it would be this sort of big epic thing where they've written an hour. It's all very special, and then when you go and see all the people that you've seen in the open mic, it's just the stuff you've seen before but longer. Right. So I was like, well, I I, I can do this. Is it an open mic is doing an hour? Uh, some of them are double headers. Some of them do an hour. Oh, but you just so yeah. Before you do an hour, it's Edinburgh's just a, a boot camp. Yeah, you go up there and you 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 just it's just it it's just tell you what it is. It, it it's it's what it should be in London. It gets actual audiences. Yeah, actual people, and you're doing what three or four of them a day, and so it's like just hyper training. Yeah. You know, in the Matrix, when they just put a disc in and they know kung fu, that's <laughs> that what. So great. Into that month is that's what that is. It's right. You're up a get. You're up a level. Um, but it must be. I. You know, for people who are starting in London, Edinburgh is more valuable than ever. Go up for yeah. a whole month and actually experience. Oh, I'd love to do it for a month. My wife order. would kill me if I. Yeah, did I, yeah. I guess that's. Because a... even just being in the flat with two other comedian friends and just writing stuff and just messing stuff around before we went and did a gig. You just learn a lot more than like a month's worth of doing open mic stuff because yeah. you're constantly you're just compressing it all into a very short amount of time. Yeah, which is, I wish they could do it down here. Yeah, well, no, it would be no. horrendous. <laughs> it would be horrendous. So, how did your um, last hour go down? My last hour, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> this would be the last one I would do. Um, it was good. Yeah. I had a I had a really fun month, um, and I think. The people that were taking me up were a bit disappointed with uh, how it wasn't an insane, like how it wasn't a flag in the sand kind of. Hey, this is the new guy. Yeah. But I, I had good numbers and good gigs, and I had fun, and I had some decent reviews and some good press coverage in general. And you can't go into that festival thinking that it you're owed anything. Yeah. Because otherwise, it just eats you up, and you're you know you've got to just go. <laughs> It's what I do. Hope people like it. Yeah. After that, I can't control anything happens. Yeah. So it it could it, it could have gone better, but it was still really fun. I had a lot of. Who? What? Where, where was your? Room? I did in the Tron at ten twenty. Was it downstairs? Yes. Yeah. The sort yeah. of bell shapes. It's probably the. Yeah, it's well, it's more that you're in the corner of a, of a square. Yeah. But it's. Uh, was um. Ah, uh, Russell Hicks on after you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's probably where I saw you then, because I saw his gig. I, did, I might have seen you just coming off. I can't remember. It seemed like a good enough room. It's it's I think it's probably the best room to do stand up in in Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apart from the stand one, uh, but even the stand's a bit lopsided. Uh, but no, the Tron is because it's L shape and it's it's just when it's full, it's yeah. amazing. We were sitting. If you're on the stage, we were sitting on the right hand side. Yeah. Up the back. Mm. It's a nice room. Um, so that was was that like the proper fringe, not the free fringe. Well, it was the proper fringe, but mm, it, I mean, that's such a loaded yeah. statement now. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that, that was just that was just a tonic venue. But we, I mean, we found that because of where it was, we found that people were more inclined to pay for something if it was the courtyard or the, or the Bristol Square. And the other side of that was seen as kind of where free stuff is. So the first week was hard, but well, we had to 
my people were great and they were like you know they threw comps and two for ones at it until yeah. it got going but um so yours was a paid one yeah because russell's was free yeah because daryl's the guy who runs the cage is trying to so my other show i do we were in a an, another room and uh in another one of the caves right and uh yeah we could charge how much we wanted for that so we charged three quid and uh, had a really nice really nice month it worked yeah. Yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. Because you see all these stories about oh, you go to Edinburgh, it's going to cost you twenty thousand pounds, and you'll be in debt. And then you see like the free fringe; they're in rooms that hold the same amount of people, but they're not costing the comics any money, and they just—I don't. Quite but get the rooms how it works. are. Then they're not focused. They're not no. controlled. No, no. And like I saw a friend of mine who's doing a show in front of. He was doing a show in front of maybe, you know, at least 80 people a day. Yeah. But the last five minutes of his show were ruined by the... And it's quite a poignant show. The yeah. last five minutes were always ruined by the person in the room next door and the noise that that audience leaving because uh, of the stunted times. Yeah. And so you couldn't... You just could not hear yeah. what he was saying because it's in this kind of wet cave and the sounds of yeah. And so it's like... People at the moment in Edinburgh have to decide between whether they want a venue or an audience, it seems. Yes. And uh, and there will be a third way that will come up, like um, a bobslayer's model. Uh, but yeah, the free venues need to be better if because otherwise there's no... I just you I can't you can't face playing and you're playing a room that literally junkies could just walk in at the back. <laughs> but they have... And that's, <laughs> That, you know, and, and that's not if you're trying to do something where people have to concentrate, yeah, that's you know, you're fighting losing battle from the start. Yeah, I went to a friend's gig and it got to a poignant point, and just as it got to the very sad bit, five people in the front row just walked out, yeah. I mean, but because they were foreign, that's it, <laughs> foreign kids, you know, and also people go to stuff because it's free, yeah, and because that's what you're when you're flying, you're going, Oh, it's free, yeah, it's free, just come, just be in the room, yeah, because it's free. And it's great because people come, but then they don't necessarily remember your name. They'll just go, oh, yes. we saw this free thing. Oh, it was good. What was his name? He had a beard. He had a beard. He shouted a bit. <laughs> free. And like, but which, you know, and, and you, have to re- you have to be insanely, ostensibly distinctive to, yeah. to kind of build a crowd. Yeah. Or, or get press and, you know. Yeah. So you had one of your jokes in there. Is it the Telegraph's top ten jokes I saw? It may have been. It was in. Uh, well, I think it was in most papers. Yeah. Uh, it was in the Guardian, and my face was was on was in the article as well. So I got a lot. Of, <laughs> there was a well, Josh Whitcomb sent me a picture the morning of it, which was <laughs> that it was like the the, the app, um, like a, a screenshot of the app, yeah. the Guardian homepage, and it was. Robin Williams dies of overdose. Robin Williams autopsy, and then me going ten best jokes. <laughs> I love the third one. So the day that I got any press was uh, Williams and. Uh, That's just what you want, isn't it? In the works, but um, <laughs> damn you! But then it was also like, yeah, it was a headline, and it was a headline in the Independent in the paper, which was very surreal, and then a couple of others. But it meant that up there, it meant that 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 joke had been heard, and people didn't laugh at it after that. Kind of media storm, which is fine. I just stopped doing it. Yeah. But um, was it? Are you glad it was in there? Yeah. 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 Because I, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm happy to retire that <laughs> joke because that's mine, and it and it meant it got people through the door. I think. 
think it did make a difference. Yeah. Maybe not because it was in one paper, but because it was in about four right. nationals. That I think that helps. Yeah. Is it the first time you've had something like that in the paper? Uh, first time I've had a, a joke in the paper. Although, when I did my free show last year, the Guardian's um, guide thing just like just picked me out as someone to see. Ah. Which was... Uh, which was great. The first week was absolutely rammed. Yeah, I think I think stuff like that because the people that are in Edinburgh read the Guardian mostly, right? And will look look at it for the arts section. And yeah, so being in that I think has traction. But but you know, like we were just saying before we start recording, this, being on Twitter doesn't necessarily someone tweeting about you that has a yeah. hundred thousand followers doesn't actually necessarily have any traction. Mm. So it's very hard to judge <clears throat> online PR. Yeah, it's very tricky. So where do you see yourself next year? Next year? Yeah. In Edinburgh or just generally? Just in general. I don't know. It's, it's got to the stage now where I'm sort of... Uh, I've got, I'm like a, loads of things might happen. Yeah. And if one of them happens, it'll be fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. But stuff doesn't... You know, the chances of one of those things happening is... Uh, is, is slim. I was talking to like uh, Bobby Mayer the other night and he was like... I was like, how are you? He's like, yeah, loads of stuff that might happen. I'm like, yeah, so It's just like, yeah, you're just in this limb. <laughs> you know, you're just waiting for one of those things to happen and then, yeah. and then something might take off. And uh, But if not, you just keep going. You know, you just keep getting better, keep doing gigs, keep writing more interesting stuff. Uh, and until one of those things definitely happens, that you've got to try and find an audience your own way mm. uh, and hope that that takes off it a little bit. I mean, yeah. You're not going to go back to Bristol full-time? Not going to live in Bristol? No. No, because I've got too much stuff going on here now. Is, that, is it good? Is, is there a massive draw for London from down in Bristol? Is it always like, oh, I've got to go there? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's just main, mainly because I didn't, I didn't have a car and I just have to sleep rough in train stations, <laughs> which was bullshit. And, uh, and Did- like, the last trains to Bristol are like nine and, uh, and I would never be like... Um, but also, just, you know, the entire industry is in London. Yeah. And so if someone needs to see you, I would also have to... Like, if I was trying to get people down to see me, I'd have to send them a list of London dates. Right. But I would never have that many. But now I can... I've got relationships in enough places that yeah. I can get, you know, six yeah. a month and say to people, right, these are... And so it, it is important to a certain level, I think, to be here. So do you feel like you've made it? Uh no. No. Does anyone ever do? I don't. It's weird this. I because I'm. I did some tour support for Russell Howard when he was doing his warm up gig. So not the actual tour, but like he went on a warm up tour. But yeah. they're still pretty big rooms for a warm up tour. But and he was he has a similar thing about he's like oh my is the new th- new thing I'm doing good enough for this amount of people and uh, and what after that should I go should I leave my TV show should I keep doing it. I, I don't know what people want me to do. That <laughs> self-doubt, I don't think, ever goes away no, no matter how, what level you're at. And even even pro comics who've been pro for, like, decades, yeah, they are still going, so you'll meet up with one. So we're recording this in September 2014. You'll meet up with them, meet up with them like, oh, how is, how's it working? Like, oh, mate, my, my 2016 January's looking really quiet. <laughs> like, because obviously he's booked up till then and that's where he's worrying about. And it's like, oh, you know. I think this it's the same on every single level. Like, yeah, my level we're worrying about is this any good? And like people that have been going three years was chatting backstage at Angel 
oh, is this stuff any good? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, you're doing a gig with Marlo McCabe, and like, is this stuff any good? Yeah, <laughs> it that, just yeah, keeps on going. That self-doubt will always be there. And when it doesn't go, when it doesn't, not there, yeah. if, it, if it is, then I think, I think that's when big acts get lazy. And, like, I don't know, have you ever been on a night where, like, a big act's popped in to try five, and that five is atrocious, <laughs> but people lose their minds out of it? <laughs> Someone was talking about uh, Lenny Henry being an angel. And he was reading off an autoprompt at one point. Really? They got he, a prompter into Angel? That's what I heard. I don't know whether it's true or not. He what said a the cock. That's such a cock <laughs> thing to do. Oh, oh, look at me. Big balls. I brought a prompter into an open mic gig. It's not gospel, though, so it might not be true. But oh, yeah. right. Okay. I thought I'll take that back if it's not true. But um, yeah, Richard Herring did uh, Angel and he's reading off a sheet of paper. Yeah, I did previous with Herring. He did that as yeah. well. I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't mean that kind of. I mean like when you see someone that's properly all over TV. Yeah. Dip in and they have and 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 they're shown up really in front of the comet. Like you see, you'll see someone like. So if you're at the King's Head on a Thursday, and like Nick Doody's there, and Nick Doody does five minutes of quality, yeah. interesting stuff, and then someone will drop in, who's a presenter or whatever, and do five, and people will go mad at it. Yeah. Because it's them, but. All the comics were like, oh man, duty stuff is so much better. You know? Yeah. So. I think the only experience I've had of that is um, Marilyn Rujetsky from 24. Do you ever watch 24? TV no. Show? She's an actress on that, but she's a stand-up comedian. And she's oh, right. been, like, been on Letterman and all this sort oh, okay. of stuff. And she was filming the new series of 24 in London. So she was going around all the open mic oh, nights cool. and doing five minutes. <laughs> Weird. It's crazy. I did um, one over in Camden and she was there and the place was mobbed with 24 fans. Yeah. So luckily I went on before her, had a really great time and then she was on a couple later and then as soon as she came off, all the audience went. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They all followed her out because they wanted to get her autograph. Oh, God. Yeah. So it was tough for the other comedians. Yeah, because you went on first, yeah. But th- yeah, that that I think that maybe that's why because they lose sight of. of but that. she was really good. She yeah, wasn't terrible. Maybe though. maybe that the reason that that I mean this is all speculation, but maybe the reason that those people is that they don't have the fear anymore yeah. that those big guys because they think they've made it. Maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe that's why they don't they're not um, motivated to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know when you feel like you made it. I, maybe if you're sitting in a mansion with a big swimming pool and. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more the quality of the stuff. Yeah. I really want to just keep getting more interesting and just deeper. And it's when I get a new bit, I get so excited. A new, a new bit that's, you know, progressed on from an idea. How long would, say, when you say a bit, how long would you say that bit was? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Oh, well... Some bits are like minute thirty. I, I I don't know. I see it in terms of like topic. When the topic changes, then it's a new bit. Because like, like one bit I like from Eddie Izzard is his Death Star Cantina routine. Yeah. That's two and a half minutes long. Yeah. Which is I don't know how long it took him to write that, but I, my stuff is just like thirty seconds at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I still have, bit a bit that is a, yeah. a minute, I guess. But then I have then I have a bit that's like, seven. Yeah. Which is which is pretty cool. And I was, I was actually same conversation with Bobby. He was like, we're talking about someone. He's like, yeah, he's got a 10 minute routine on iPhones. That's amazing. I've got a 10 minute routine on anything. I've got that, a five minute routine on Hawks. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> but it involves dragging someone out of the audience oh, right, and yeah, taking okay. a picture of them holding a Hawk. 
I'd say that was more a set piece. Than yeah, a bit. maybe, yeah. Um, but, yeah. No, it's nice to... nice to Yeah, a 10-minute bit would be satisfying to have yeah. on one thing. Because when my first started, a friend of mine who started at the same time was obsessed. He said, oh, I saw this guy and he did 15 minutes on Nando's. And it was really funny. Is it Crosby? I, he, he couldn't remember who it was. He just said, there's this guy that did 10, 15 minutes on Nando's and he couldn't remember his name and he really enjoyed it. That would have been Crosby. That would have been Crosby. Right, I'll let him know that then. Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, it sticks in the mind. It sticks exactly. in the mind. Yeah, yeah. Something like 15 minutes <laughs> in one thing. Yeah. You keep looking at your watch because you've got a train or a I've bus got, to I've got, I've got, I've got another five minutes. There's anything else you want to... I was just going to say, anything you want to promote um, to my literally hundreds of listeners? Oh, that's cool. Uh, mm, not, well, I've got, like, <laughs> see, like I said, I've got a lot of stuff that might happen. Uh, I'm trying to think when the next time I'm doing my hour is. I'm doing my hour in Bristol on the 16th of October, and I'm doing it in Brighton on the... 29th of November. Yep. And I will be doing it in <laughs> London in the new year at some point, I think. And then there will be some form of way of getting it as well. But that there'll be a marketing campaign mm-hmm. itself. So you will hear about it, yeah, no doubt. Hear about it. Uh, I'll tell you what you should come to is um, I'm in a show called The Bear Pit Podcast. Podcast. That's The Invisible Dot. Other month. podcasts are available. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, it's not actually a podcast. Uh, it's uh, yeah, and I mean that show with uh, Matt Ewins and John Kearns and Adam Hess and loads of really good people. That is first one's fifteenth of October, and then it's every month until March. So nice. Check the Invisible Dots website and come to that. Check it out. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for coming in. Not at all. It's been good, and we'll see you next time. I don't know how to win these. Bye. Bye. Bye.